At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Oh, somebody get a shot up at the buzzer. It's good. Brooks Hall hits it at the buzzer. The Dayton Flyers. Pandemonium in the Dayton Decibel Dungeon. This is Talking Out Loud, the number one podcast on the internet for Dayton Flyers basketball, always wearing red and being loud. Welcome back to the Rapid Reaction Podcast of Talking Out Loud Flyers, a winner 63-57 in Rhode Island, and we're right here to recap all the action for you, whether you want it or not. I'm Sully, he's Drew, it's minutes after Dayton has traveled to the Ryan Center and taken down the Rhodey Rams in most ugly fashion. The Flyers have a rare distinction of coming away with the win tonight despite making more free throws than three-pointers, which isn't really all that wild if the Flyers had not made more three-pointers than two-point baskets. Truly ugly basketball, to be honest with you, from top to bottom. Uh, But the Flyers find a way to win, and that's what it's all about when you go on the road. The Flyers took um, a lot of shots in the first half, and they didn't make a whole lot of them, but they went into halftime with that 24-24 tie, which kind of left me feeling optimistic about uh, the game, to be honest with you all. When you go into the half, uh, shooting two for, I believe it was 17 from inside the arc. Yes, two for 17 inside the arc. And you, I believe they were somewhere around the neighborhood of like five for eight from three-point land. Um, But point being here, you go two from 17 inside the arc and you find a way to be tied going into halftime. Um, That is going to bode well for you. And honestly, uh, I said on Twitter that I'm not exactly a Rhode Island expert, um, but that's probably a big reason why the Rams now have dropped to four and eight in the conference losers of seven of their last eight games with that lone win 
coming against Davidson on Saturday. So not only do the Roadie Rams fall victim to the Flyers here on Monday, but gave us a huge win against Davidson on Saturday that can help the Flyers A-10 title hopes, which are still very much alive as the Flyers improve to 10-3 in the conference. Now sole place of second place and to boot additional good news today St. Bonaventure took down St. Louis for the second time meaning that Dayton's head-to-head tiebreakers against both of those teams are safe for now but uh, again 63 to 57 final uh, Dayton in the Ryan Center against Rody Rams 18 and 8 10 and 3 as I mentioned in conference and they keep pace with those David Wild Davidson Wildcats for the first place spot in the A-10. Uh, Drew, I'm going to hit you with some trivia right off the bat tonight. I had to do a little preamble, but I really wanted to get this one out there. So hit the music. Drew, this was the 15th meeting of the Flyers and Roadie Rams in the Ryan Center, which opened in June 2002. My question to you for trivia tonight is, what is the Flyers' record in the Ryan Center after those 15 matchups, including tonight's win? I'm going to say 11 and 4. You know, I was actually surprised to look this up myself. The Flyers are 7 and 8 in the Ryan Center. And previous to a couple of years ago, so I'll go all the way back, back through the annals of the history here. The Flyers won the first two meetings at the Ryan Center in 03 and then 05. And then they lost the next six games there until winning again in 2016 and 2017. The Flyers have now won four, sorry, five of the last eight games at the Ryan Center to push their total to seven and eight. You surprised by that? I am. That means Brian Gregory Gregory mightily struggled there. He did. They, like that, he did. Like that era of no wins is fits perfectly into the Brian Gregory era. So I didn't real I I didn't realize he struggled there that much. I just I was going off base uh recent history where we've we've played pretty well there. Uh, play well is a pretty relative term considering yeah. their performance tonight. But it was a classic Atlantic 10 road game where you, you win. Uh, you get the win in front of the hundreds and hundreds of people at the Ryan Center tonight hundreds. Uh, and, and get out of Dodge because, boy, it was, uh, wasn't was easy on the eyes, was it? Yeah, there was no traffic getting out of Kingston tonight. There's no doubt no, about sir. that. The uh, There were plenty of parking spots and plenty of butts. Uh, or sorry, plenty of seats that needed butts tonight. I don't think I saw a single person in the upper deck of the Ryan Center, and I believe there were some lower sections that were not filled at all. When you're four and seven and you go into a February tilt against the Flyers, uh, good and out of it and playing some bad basketball, I can't really blame the roadie fans all that much. I'm going to correct some stats that I just mentioned. I finally found them. I should have, you know, been more prepared for the podcast tonight, but you're listening to the Rapid Reaction. Welcome in. Um, if you're familiar with the show, this is what we do, Dayton basketball. If you're a Rhode Island fan listening in afterwards, I don't know why, but we welcome you anyways. Halftime, again, game was tied at 24. The Flyers at 2 for 17 mark from inside the arc I mentioned. They were 5 for 12 from three-point land. Um, Rhode Island won the turnover battle 6 to 9. Nice. Um, Dayton was on top in the rebounding battle 22 to 19. But the reason the game was tied in the first half, Drew, is because Rhode Island can't shoot for shit either. They were 9 for 23 from two-point land, 0 for 5 from three-point range. And again, I want to emphasize it, is that 
Um, I, I in the first half, I was not willing to give the Flyers credit. Now we'll get in later in the show to where we are willing to give them credit. But the reason that Dayton was tied in the first half was 100% due to Rhode Island's inability to extend the lead and make shots. When you have a team playing as poor as Dayton was offensively in the first 20 minutes, and you're completely unable to sustain any kind of lead, again, I'm no Rhode Island expert. I haven't watched them a ton this year. But that's, to me, I was like, okay, it totally makes sense to me why this team is now 4-7 and seven or now 4-8 and eight after tonight's loss, right? Yeah, the very anemic on offense. Uh, th- they didn't shoot the ball from three well in the first half. Obviously, they didn't make any. Uh, then they went four or five naturally in the second half for a period there. Uh, Dayton went about seven minutes without a field goal down the stretch there, which got gave Rhode Island some life. They tied it up, but... Good job. They re- Dayton really clamped down the last four minutes or so, and uh, you know took care of their business, the business that needed to be taken care of tonight. And and again, you know, it's just one of those games where, as agitated as you may have been watching it, I know I was. I have like two or three of those a year where I'm just pissed off at the world watching Dayton Dayton basketball. But you know, a wins a win, and when you it's six of seven, a game back of Davidson now with some. You know, games that we we really, really should win. We're going to be favored in here coming up our next, you know, four or five games or so before we hit that at Richmond game. So, you know, everything's right in front of us. And uh, we got, I will say, the one lone bright spot of tonight is we got the Tamani Kamara that was kind of advertised uh, in the offseason. He played very, very well and kind of rescued us in that first half. Yeah, he did. And um, I, I'm glad that you gave me the perfect segue, Drew. So, uh, it was brought to my attention, you know, that uh, stats were being compiled. The stats department here talking out loud was crunching the numbers coming up with uh, three point uh, marks for Tamani Kamara. And it's well stated on this show that early on in the year, uh, we were fairly critical about Kamara and him shooting from three point land. And frankly, it was well founded. I mean, we don't come up with points here out of thin air. Going into the season, Kamara was like a low 20% three-point shooter, and that really extended into this season, right? Um, well, I have some good stats for you tonight, Drew. Ready? Up, until, up until the George Mason loss and through that game, okay, um, Tamani Kamara was 5 for 30 from downtown. Are you still with me? Since Not great. The, since the Fordham game, I believe that is seven games counting tonight. He is 11 for 21. Pretty one good. Of, yeah, I would say one of the most drastic three-point turnarounds I've ever heard of. And you're talking about a guy that was a 17% shooter his freshman year at Georgia. Second year, he was 25%. And frankly, up until about two weeks ago, he was right in the low 20s at like a 21% three-point shooter. So again, it was very well-founded that this man should not be shooting the three-point ball. But... As we've said, Drew, I think he's probably a listener of the podcast because he's turned it on. He shoved it right up our ass, and my man has just been stroking threes left and right. It's It's been absolutely wild to see borderline unbelievable. Yeah, a welcome sight, too, because Lord knows we, need we have needed the three-point shooting going, coming down the stretch, and we're going to need it as we move forward. And The one thing about him, when he was shooting on earlier in the year, and I think I said it on an earlier podcast, but... When he was missing, he was not missing by a lot. He had a lot like rim in and out. That's where I was like, well, okay, maybe I'm okay with him taking it. And then we we dug into his numbers of what they were like at Georgia. And then I was on the camp of, okay, maybe you shouldn't be shooting him. And then naturally, as soon as I start to think that, 
he turns into Steph Curry all of a sudden. So, you know, I can't quite put a pin on him, but if we can keep getting this Kamara as we move forward, we're going to be really, really tough to beat. Yeah, and we said this in the George Washington game. I mean, Dayton as a team is going to be borderline unbeatable in the A-10 conference when they're shooting 45% from three. It's just, it's just going to be like that, right? I mean, tonight's a perfect example. They had to get 14 points from the free throw line. They made eight buckets from two-point land, and the three-point shooting bailed them out. They shoot 45%, they win the game. You know, Despite how poorly they played, if they're hitting shots and spreading out the court, it's going to lead to good things You know, for the Flyers. They were four for 18 in layups tonight, um, and, and it was just atrocious. I mean, I, I haven't seen uh, a Dayton team play that poorly from two-point range in, in quite some time. I mean, that, that was really eye-opening because it's, it's kind of been, um, it's kind of been a, a slow burn, right? Like, we've seen that this team has kind of struggled from the from two point land, Molly Smith's kind of been leading that charge, and our friend Stephen Wright tweeted out right after the game here that this was the worst shooting performance inside the arc, twenty four percent for the Flyers in the last ten seasons. Um, you know that that's just wild to me. And uh, I put out a stat on Twitter. Um, I believe uh, this was like right at halftime. So again, it probably like changed with the second half stats. But going into the second half, Malachi Smith, since conference play started, Drew, he's 33 for 90 from two point range. Um, You know, whether that's him not going up strong enough, um, him not drawing contact to get to the line, something's got to give here because he's getting to the point where he can't shoot the three and he's not scoring at the rim. And yeah, you know, that's not the primary function of your point guard, but Malachi Smith didn't make a single shot from the field in both Rhode Island games, and that's got to change if the Flyers are going to make a run in March. Yeah, definitely. He's he's going to have to start putting the ball in the hole a little bit more, a little more consistently than he did. But tonight's, you know, in a weird way, I'm almost okay with how it turned out tonight because – that is a performance that just feels like it can't happen again, like an outlier. Like it was just one of those nights where literally they just couldn't get anything to go inside the arc. I, I can't really explain it. And that might be a, a terrible uh, descriptor of how things went, but I just kind of had that feeling where like, there's no way they can do that again, be that poor from two point range. We missed a lot of layups. Holmes was three of eight tonight. He missed a lot of bunnies. Blakeney missed a couple bunnies. Uh, you know, Kobe Elvis, if I told you this going into this game that Kobe Elvis and Mally were going to combine for one for 12 from the field for five points, would you have thought we won the game? No, I mean, this game kind of went contrary to like everything that we believe to be true about this team. They're definitely getting to that um, consistently inconsistent moniker, right? But, you know, Kamara stepped up. He had 17. Brea had 12, and that's on four three-pointers. Um, that's kind of been his thing is like he's going to hang around the three point arc and he's going to he's going to stand there and shoot him. I thought that Dayton wasn't necessarily aggressive enough in the first half. And then they kind of saw that the only reason they were in the game or tied at half is because they kept getting those transition buckets. Right. Like every now and again, they'd pop in a transition bucket and and they'd score some points when they were tough to come by. Then in the second half, they opened it up a little bit more. They stopped passing up open shots, and look what happened. I mean, they went on a couple of runs. They're still going to have a couple of those scoreless streaks 
I mean, there was what drew like two or three times where they didn't score for like a five minute period. Um, I think that's going to keep happening with this team. But again, we said this for weeks because of how good their defense is. That isn't going to matter as much as it has in previous years. Now, it might be their undoing in a big game in, let's say, the A-10 tournament. But I can't say that anyone should be surprised moving forward if the Flyers go four or five minutes without scoring a bucket. Right, they went. They went six minutes in the second half without a field goal. Uh, Holmes made a layup at the eight fifty four mark, and then the Amsel three that uh, put us back up three after that Rhode was a big Island one. tied the game. Big game or big game, big shot by Amsel. Good to see there. Uh, but yeah, like six minute, uh, six minute drought of field goals. You know, that is those are the things where, like you said, when you get into a big game, into a tournament game. Those are the those are the stretches that can really really do you in, and if you have that kind of stretch against a team who is you know competent at putting the ball in the basket, you know you can just you can call it a wrap it up right away. Yeah, so I mean another uh, another positive night. Like obviously the Flyers get a huge road win. They're tough to come by, even if you know you're facing a four and seven roadie team. I mean, I I want. I want people to put it in the proper context. This is a game that Dayton should have won, and frankly, they should have won it a little bit more comfortably. But you got to be happy with a road win right now. I mean, that's kind of the name of the game. We said this going into this six-game stretch um, that started last week is that we're kind of in a, a win any old way that you can win type of type of stretch right now in conference play. Dayton's got two down. They got four more to go. Or sorry, three down and three to go uh, with St. Joseph's, UMass, and LaSalle all looming. But this one was big because you had the two-day turnaround. It, it, it's not really a huge excuse going into the game because URI had that same turnaround. They played at the same time. Um, a lot of scoreboard watching was going on in UD Arena. And, of course, they ended up pulling out that game on Saturday against Davidson. But you had the quick turnaround. You go on the road. And, frankly, um, both teams played in pretty raucous environments uh, over the weekend. You know, Dayton playing at home and then Rhode Island being at Davidson. Um, you know, th- those were games that were packed arenas. Sorry, I, I just made a mistake. Rhode Island was actually home on Saturday, so not as raucous. Um, but the point is, there was way more people in the Ryan Center on Saturday than there were tonight. Uh, like we said, there was like a hundred, five hundred people, hundreds watched. Yeah, this hundreds game. of people. And so the two day turnaround, the shift in atmosphere, um, those are enough to derail a team or. Um, let's go a step further, Drew, when you're having the kind of struggles that they did in the first half. I thought that this second half, and I, I'm going to put this game in the spin zone a little bit to to kind of put um, not my rose-colored glasses on, but why there's reasons for optimism. There were things working against the Flyers in the first half. They couldn't finish around the rim. They couldn't get anything going inside the paint. And they figured out a way to win. And I said at halftime that I had hoped that this team maybe had learned something from the lumps that they took in November. And tonight that ended up being the case, right? Down the stretch, they made some shots. Uh, the Amsel shot was kind of the biggest one when the game was tied there late. They did let Rody back in the game when they had about a 10-point lead. That's going to happen. But how you respond to that and figure out how to win, I mean, that's how you win the conference. That's how you get into the top four. And that's how you get road victories in the A-10 um, is, is just gutting these games out and they don't have to be pretty. And that's kind of what we said in November that ended up derailing this team was that 
they they got down, they stayed down, and they weren't really able to adjust and pick themselves up. Whereas tonight, I thought Grant did really well at calling timeouts to chop up the game. Um, he did it, I believe, at the U right before the U eight timeout in the first half. Yep, and then he did it again at the U four time right before the U four timeout in the second half. He took those timeouts kind of preemptively. Um, they were kind of out of the blue to break the game up, slow things down, maybe get guys a breather and then get back to the game plan. And, you know, credit where it's due. I wanted to specifically come on the show tonight and say this is that with the way that this team started at one and three, the fact that they are now sitting in sole position of second place at 18 and eight, you know, meaning that they were able to rattle off a, a 17 and five stretch here after that one and three start. That's impressive. And it, it has to go credit all the way around from, from Kamara and, you know, who struggled early in the season to, you know, them figuring out that Malachi Smith was going to be the point guard, the guys on the floor to the coaching staff. I mean, they've done a fantastic job of kind of adjusting this season um, and, and making it matter, right? Like we're right here in the thick of it. There's five games to go in the A-10 play, and the Flyers have a legitimate shot at winning the conference with Davidson coming to Dayton here in a couple of weeks to end the regular season. So credit where it's due. This team was not winning close games that they should have won in November. And here we are, Drew. We're in February, and they're winning those games. So while I'm not going to sit here on the show and give Grant and the coaching staff a pass for having this team not prepared to play the first four games in the season, you also have to look at both sides and say what they've done since that time has been very impressive, putting the Flyers kind of you know on the doorstep of doing something relevant and winning the conference. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, another big factor in tonight was we made free throws down the stretch. Uh, Amsel, Amsel stepped to the line, made them, made them, Malachi made two there at the end. So, you know, free throws can kind of make or break these kind of games. And those are how teams can sneak up on you and you can get beat. And I agree with you on Grant. I thought he coached a great game tonight. Um, had a, some great plays out of timeouts and stuff. You know, you mentioned the two timeouts. Uh, we got some good looks on well-designed plays out of those timeouts. Uh, the one that comes to mind is the – it was against the zone. We got the ball inside to Deron Holmes for an and one. Uh, he missed a free throw, but I think that kind of kick-started our run a little bit there in the middle of the second half. So, you know, good to see there. And I agree with you. You know, you can't just throw out those games that we lost in November, but they've done a good job of getting these guys to believe and buy in. And now you're starting to see the fruits of that labor. You know, winners of six of seven with the only loss being, you know, to a very game St. Louis team on the road. And – you know, when when you can win these games and you can get those extended streaks. And like I talked about uh, on Saturday during our pregame show where we haven't lost two in a row since those three games at home in November. Yeah. So and that's always good when you can get back off the <clears throat> schneid and get rolling again. That's how you win six of seven, seven of eight, eight, you know, things like that. And that is what gets you back into the conversation to win the league. Great time tonight in the show to remind you that our rapid reaction podcast here on Talking Out Loud is brought to you by our friends, the Lions and Reynolds team at Heritage Hill Realty. If anyone out there is looking for a home in Southwest Ohio in the near future or even the distant future, look no further than the Lions and Reynolds team at Heritage Hill Realty. They are realtors you can rely on. Quick break. Be right back here on Talking Out Loud to finish it out. This is the Rapid Reaction, Dayton winner 6357.
At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome on back. I told you that break was going to be short, but you had to hear from our sponsors after this rapid reaction. Thanks for joining us, Flyer Six Point Winner on the road. It's a good one. Good night to be celebrating. Um, even though you know the game kind of ended late, eleven o'clock Eastern before this one got done with. Um, I think it's safe to say, Drew, that uh, we could we could probably do away with ever starting a game at nine p.m. on a Monday ever again. De- death to them. Death to yeah. Monday, 9 o'clock starts. I tweeted it earlier when I tweeted the Al Davis gif, and it remains true. Death to 9 o'clock Monday starts. Yeah, I, I had. Uh, I live in Central Time, as everybody knows. And like these are the nights when I feel really thankful that I live in Central Time, um, at least for the next six months, uh, because... Uh, man, yep, game enjoy ended, it while you got it. I was going to say, game ended at 10 o'clock is a hell of a lot better than 11. But um, right before the break, we were kind of talking about how this team has, has morphed and changed and um, and found ways to win close games tonight, notwithstanding. But um, I think tonight, one of the things that I took away from the game was the Flyers' ability to be versatile. And I think a lot of the reason that they were getting undone in the early season is because they didn't know how to be versatile. They kind of were what they were, right? But tonight you saw that they weren't getting it done down low. And, you know, Kamara obviously has been hitting threes, but when he can step out and stretch the floor, Brea stepping out, hitting threes, even Amsel ended up making a, a couple of shots down the stretch. That's the Flyers being versatile. And when they can be versatile and change the outlook for the defensive team URI tonight, I think that's when you start to see some changes in how they can gut out games. Because I think early in the year, and especially that first four games, they kind of just went down with the ship. They're like, here's the game we're playing. Here's our style. Here's what we would like to do. And if it wasn't working, they just kind of kept at it. And early in the first half, you saw that they were trying to run the offense through Kamara down on the block. And frankly, it just didn't work very well. So what ended up happening? Well, he stepped out. They were leaving him open. And honestly, Kamara shot five times or yeah, he was three for five from downtown. He probably could have had eight or 10 attempts. I mean, they were really leaving him open even after he made shots. But I think everybody's getting the point here is that if it's not working down low, try something else. And I think that's what they did. And again, that's why I wanted to circle back and kind of give hats off to the coaching staff tonight because um, we're always quick to point out, Drew, when you know they make blunders. And of course, 
You know, Dayton had their stretches that we mentioned earlier where they weren't scoring the ball, and those are going to happen. I mean, every AG team that's been through Dayton has had those. Even in 2020, you know, they, they had some stretches where they weren't scoring. They were fewer and further between, of course. But if we're going to do that and take the time to, you know, bag on AG for this or that, um, you, you got to call it both ways. And that's why I said it's still going to be frustrating that they they didn't have this team ready with the amount of talent that they have because you, you can't sit here right now in February and applaud the amount of talent that's on the floor and simultaneously hand wave the start of the year. It's like, we all see the talent. We all know how much raw talent is on the floor and the coaching staff should have had them more prepared for those first four games. But same breath is that they have adjusted. They've kind of found their sweet spot. And I hate to say it is it I, I, I don't think Dayton's going to live and die by the three because they can win games without making the three-pointer. But, boy, man, they're they're unbeatable when they're shooting over 40% from downtown. Right. We don't live and die with a three, but if we're making threes, good luck to you because, mm-hmm. you know, that we're just that's a recipe to, for disaster for opponents. Another thing I want to point out, you know, as inconsistent as we can be on offense – on defense, we're pretty darn consistent in our in our the six of seven games that we've won. Five of them, the opponent has been held to under sixty points. The only team that scored above sixty points was Fordham with sixty one. So you know, for as inconsistent and as maddening as we can be on the offensive end, sometimes we're equally as consistent on the defensive end when we're winning these games. And you know, when you get into these gritty, you know, dog day games around you know, Valentine's day and late February of the season defense travels, man. And if you can bring that defensive effort at night in night out, you're going to be very, very successful most of the time. Yeah. And we've seen that, you know, from Holmes from the get go, which is why everybody kind of sat back and said, well, you know, when his offense comes along, boy, he's going to be really dangerous. And tonight, you know, he, he had one of those games where he's struggling on offense, but I think most of it was due to the guy that was lining up on the defensive end. I mean, Mitchell's a guy now that's in his third year, I believe, playing A-10 hoops. Um, he's, he's a veteran A-10 big. And we had mentioned earlier in the season that that's, what, that's why his development needed to happen in earnest. Because if you're playing Lipscomb and Austin P, and then you, know, you get Southern and Northern Illinois, it's like, yeah, you're probably going to – it's probably going to be dunk town out there. It's going to be dunk city all the time. You're going to get easy buckets here and there. But – in the A-10, every now and again, maybe every other night, every third night, you're going to run up a, against a veteran big man, and you look down the schedule, look, you know, Richmond's got Grant Golden, that who's going to have to go up against, and then Davidson, of course, has Breakovic, who's who's a four-year starter uh, for Davidson. So that that's going to be a key thing to watch here is that Deron Holmes is going to have to hold his own in the post, both defensively and offensively. And tonight he struggled. You know, there's there's no doubt about it. Tonight he struggled, but I think he struggled in the way that freshmen struggle against veteran bigs in the A-10, right? Yep, growing pains, man. That's what they are. For as, a player as good as Deron Holmes is and will be, you're going to have these nights when you are a freshman. You know, Mally had it tonight, too. It, you're just going to have these games where you run up against a guy who's a little more mature, you know, a little more grown into his body, I think. You know, I think Duran still has some, you know, growing into his body to do. I think you could see a big body transformation from him going into next season. And then, you know, that's when he becomes what Mitchell is now, where he's one of the veteran guys you're going up against and becomes a legitimate, you know, conference player of the year contender. 
And so, yeah, I'm not too uh, worried about Duran. And I still thought, you know, he, he played, he plays hard every night. The yeah. one thing about Duran Holmes is you never have to worry about is his effort. He's an elite rim runner already. Uh, he does a great job of running the floor as do the Mitchell twins. Uh, I thought there was, you know, for despite the lack of offense tonight, there was a lot of very good rim running from the bigs. I was pretty impressed with how, how well all the bigs were running up and down the floor. So yeah, he's going to grow. He's going to be fine. I'm not too worried about him. And like I've, like I've said before, you just got to keep growing, growing, growing consistently as you keep moving forward. We only have five games left, which is, you know, kind of hard to believe, but your next three are your next three are against teams in the bottom five of the conference. These are games where you have to take care of your business you got to be going into the Richmond game with three loss with the three losses we currently have in conference. Yeah, and um, boy, back to back trips to Philly, man, they're coming. <laughs> yeah, it's coming. There's no Dayton fan on earth that feels great about back to back weekends in Philly. Not one. No, nope. And if I, you are, I, you're hard pressed, hard pressed to find them. And if you are, you if you are comfortable, you are a sicko. You're a damn fool, is what you are. Damn fool. Um, you heard it right, though. The Flyers are going to go uh, to St. Joseph's for a 1 p.m. tip this Saturday. Um, they will 1 p.m. tip. Yes, 1 p.m. tip. OK, yeah, a little earlier. It's usually they play those games at two. Um, and then they come home for UMass. That'll be on Wednesday night and then back out for LaSalle that following Saturday. That's a 2 p.m. tip. Um, and, and here we are, man, like all three of these games have to be wins for the Flyers if they want to, uh, if they want to win the regular season title, or, you know, if we're going to be playing for that regular season title last day of the season, the trip to Richmond's going to be no cakewalk. The Flyers are actually a one point dog in that game, four point favorite right now in Ken Palm against Davidson, uh, which surprises me. Um, however, the Wildcats did take care of their business tonight. Um, they hosted Duquesne and came away with a comfortable 11 point win. So for those keeping track, VCU takes on Fordham tomorrow night. That's Tuesday. We're recording here Monday night. Uh, but currently you have Davidson at the one spot, 11 and two Dayton all by themselves at 10 and three VCU right behind them at nine and three. However, mentioned on Twitter today that if you're not familiar uh, in the A-10 and how these things break out, um, when there's a tiebreaker situation for a conference record, Dayton, um, sorry, not Dayton. The first tiebreaker is a head to head against whatever team you play. And then the second tiebreaker is your record against the top opponents in descending order. So currently VCU, we have split with them, obviously one and one, but VCU lost to Davidson and Bonaventure. So as of this day and this recording, Dayton does own the tiebreaker over VCU. Um, so keep it in mind, people, because that's that's a big one. That's going to matter down the road here. Um, if you're sticking around to pass the half hour for the rapid reaction, we do thank you again. Dayton six point winner, sixty three fifty seven, and what was a very ugly, um, let's say, defensive minded game, Drew. But um, since we haven't done a show since Saturday with the quick turnaround, we got to talk beer giveaway, man. The people haven't even heard from us since the beer giveaway. Did you have fun on Saturday? Great day. Great day in the Gem City. Always great to be back. Good crowd at, uh, at Tim's for the pregame show. I believe we had 57 cases of natural light delivered to the wonderful students of the University of Dayton. Many of them, as I said before, uh, getting the knock 
from either you or me for the free case of beer had to feel like getting the knock from David Baker to go to the NFL Hall of Fame. Uh, not a direct quote from me. Many of the students were saying it. Uh, so, yeah, always enjoy doing that. The students love it. Uh, obviously coming off a, a, a great win, uh, an ass whooping for the ages where the yeah. game was over four minutes into the game. Uh, you know, just good vibes all around on Saturday. It was a great time. And uh, as always, uh, we had a lot of fun responsibly, of course. Yeah, you know, I took the Miss Sully for the first time at UD Arena, which was a great time. But I have to say, man, selfishly, I was kind of hoping for a game that was like a little bit closer. Um, (laughs) I I mean, I mean, I know I'm not. Now it's an excuse to come back. Yeah, like I'm not here to split hairs or anything. And of course, um, I'd rather Dayton just, you know, beat the pants off a lesser foe. And after 17-4, I mean, the game was completely in hand this past Saturday against GW. But uh, my God, I mean, that game, that was probably the biggest blowout Dayton's been in all season. Um, maybe, I can't even remember, like uh, Northern Illinois, they, they shellacked really good, I think. Um, but George Washington now, they took a 25-point loss when they went to Foggy Bottom, a 26-point loss at UD Arena. Um, I couldn't help but sit there and be like, boy, it would have been a lot more exciting in the arena had the game been close, but... In the same breath, I want to shout out the students um, for whatever reason. I guess it was Saturday afternoon. My God, man, the students were fired up. I know you watched the game from Flanagan's and I was fairly close. I was sitting by the visitors tunnel, but I just wanted to give a special shout out because the students were extra fired up and extra crispy on Saturday and it did not go unnoticed. The atmosphere in the arena was was super wild. Um, But yeah, we, we did the beer giveaway afterwards. Um, I think the actual breakdown, Drew, was that you did 27 cases uh, with our buddy Grant, and then I took 33. Um, and yeah, it took us about what 45 minutes. I think you did yours in like 60 minutes. What I wanted to ask you was, since you brought up knocking on doors, did you actually go knocking on doors? I was very curious to learn about that. Yeah. Yeah, oh. I always knock on the door. Wow! Hand it, just give them the hand it right to them. Love looking, uh, love seeing the smile on the faces of all the kids. The best one was the shout out to the guys that I answered the door, and one of them had no idea of what was going on. And then I just hear <laughs> from the back of the house, "Our free case of beer is here!" And then he comes running <laughs> to the front door, grabs it, gives me a high five, and just went on with the rest of his evening. Shout out to that kid. <laughs> You know, I was thinking to myself, like, as I was driving down to Dayton on Friday night, I'm like, is this really worthwhile? Like, is this that like cool of a thing? I'm like, I'm only, yes. I'm only giving kids. Oh, hold on. I'll get there. I was like, am, you know, is it that cool that I'm giving kids like a 999 24 pack of Natty Light? And then like house after house after house was like screaming at me like saying thank you and being so appreciative. I got all these pictures in my DMs of kids that like took a picture with their beer case once they had it. And I'm never ceased to be amazed by how much appreciation there is from college kids that we delivered a $10 case of beer. <laughs> hey man, you take the small victories when you're in college, man. The free case of beer, that's the best that's the best tasting beer in the world. Free. I was just like, am I really doing this great of a service that all of a sudden uh, I I did, I was vindicated. I got to be honest with you. It felt good. Absolutely. It felt so- good for me as well. Had a great time. Uh had to had to boogie back down to Cincinnati afterwards, but uh hopefully all the students out there if any of them are listening to the show, which I'm sure many of you are, 
Hope you enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, yeah. That'll. So, I mean, that's a good place to wrap it up for tonight. And beers were had. I can assure everybody that uh, the owner of Tim's has told me that we're going to do it again. Um, the beer giveaway will at least go into its fourth year. I'll try to keep it going as long as, as my old bones let me, um, you know, and, and I'll be closer next year living in Pittsburgh. So, um, all right, Drew, that's it. Give me some final thoughts. And let's get out of here. Final thoughts. My final thought is going to relate to the Davidson Wildcats. They have a monumental matchup with St. Louis on Saturday at home. They lose that one and Dayton continues to take care of their business. There is a very, very good chance that that final game on March 5th at 12.30 p.m. at UD Arena is a winner take all for the league. It could. It could be. And um, this one does actually loom larger because after that, Davidson's three games are Duquesne, Fordham, and George Mason at home. I don't think they're going to struggle with any three of those. So Flyer fans, while you are keeping tabs on our own team, the Flyers in Philly on Saturday, remember to keep an eye on Davidson and St. Louis. That game will tip off at 3.30 p.m. Eastern on CBS Sports Network. I think, if I'm not mistaken, the Flyers game is actually going to be on ESPN+. Plus. We got relegated because we're playing St. Joe's. But um, that's it, man. We got a full week off, basically. You know, if you really think about it, Flyers are off Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday into Saturday. Uh, be traveling on Friday to Philadelphia to take on the Hawks, which I'm told will never die. Uh, My final thoughts are to enjoy the week off. I know we will. Uh, No show coming to you regularly scheduled because we don't really need to do it. Here we are. It's a rapid reaction. Yeah, we got a bye week. Everybody needs a bye week. And I know that you do too. So Flyers a winner. 63-57. Dayton Flyers improved to 18-8 and in second place by themselves at 10-3 in the A-10. I'm going to take you out with a song. I'm not sure what it is yet. I'll put it in after the show. But you know the rules. Wear red. Be loud. We'll catch you later. Maybe I'm crazy. Talking to myself at night and I'm feeling so alone. If I can get the words I write to tell you how I feel, I might be there coming out so wrong. The voices, they come rushing in like a 10 ton truck in a saucer man now the words make sense but i can't repeat because i still make what it used to be i'm here my love the time holding baby hold me down tight when i'm losing my body try to tell you to keep me close i'm talking to myself also make your spell but it got better
This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.